Hello and welcome to Rise Up with Orion's podcast. Thank you so much for joining um, our final of the six sources of influence series that we've been so excited to have our health coaches help with this whole series. And we are continuing that today with Emily. She is probably our most tenured coach at Orion. It's been so fun to work with her over the last over a decade. Um, as an amazing asset to Orion. She also is a certified personal trainer on the side, um, loves running, being outdoors, being with her family. And Emily and I have a lot in common when it comes to being task queens, where we love checking things off the list. We love being productive and getting things done. Um, you know, and that creates very little time for sitting around. So it's been, um, you know, a very interesting transition with the pandemic and everything that we're facing. Um, and we're going to talk about some of those different changes today when we roll into the structural motivation and ability, which are the final two sources of influence. If you haven't listened to the previous two podcasts, please do so on your podcast platform. It's great to bring all three of them together to talk about the personal and social sources of influence as well that Megan and Christina both helped us with. Um, so I will turn it over to Emily to introduce us to these sources and bring her expertise to the podcast today. Thanks, Emily. Great. Thanks, Tara. Yes, the capstone today, per se, is the structural motivation and ability. And today, kind of think of that as the environment um, that is around you. So first, you can change anything. It may be hard. It may not always be easy, but you can change anything. However, W. Edwards Deming taught us that it's not enough to do your best. You must know what to do and then do your best. You can't be given a set of plans to go build a house or just say go build a house actually without the plans and know what to do. You have to plan. You have to know those steps. And these six sources of influences are just that. So a quick review for what those uh, previous uh, sources of influence were. And when we're creating behavior change, there's basically three steps. First, we create a clear and compelling goal with measurable results. We wanna be specific. Step two, identify those crucial moments, those times that put our success at risk, and corresponding vital behaviors those actions that bring better results. So identifying those crucial moments and those vital behaviors. Step three, utilize the six sources of influence. They either motivate or enable and they and the vital behavior. The first source of influence we discussed a couple week times back were personal motivation and ability. Um, Personal is what's your commitment and your perception of your ability and what you're able to do. Social motivation is those around you, the people in your life that enable and support you in your efforts. And then finally today, what we'll talk about is the structural motivation and ability. And this is exciting too, being the capstone, as she said, you're gonna hear a couple different examples on how those all come together. Um, so it's a very exciting final conclusion to the series. Right, you need all of the sources to be successful. So today's focus, the structural motivation. 
think of changing your economy. Think of economy, think of money perhaps, rewards. What do you get out of going to work, um, out of working in your yard? What benefits come? So there's rewards and there's punishments. Both of those can come into play in trying to move forward in those good behaviors. Your structural ability is changing your space. Change your surroundings to make good behavior easier and bad behavior harder. What's around you that makes those go in either way of that line? When we look at barriers, things that we need to consider when we're trying to build on the motivation. Think this question, what costs or penalties, perhaps what pros or cons are there for doing the vital behavior? Um, what are those pros and cons that are going to help make those actions happen that bring better results? Um, what rewards come for each of those behaviors? For example, watching TV could be a reward for not exercising, or it could be a reward for exercising. Which is it for you? Looking at ability. What surrounds you in your environment that either encourages or enables a wrong behavior? So let's consider those various environments, your workplace, your home, a friend's home, um, perhaps it's the route you take to work. What do you see in the pantry? What do you watch on television? What's in the break room? What do you even see on that billboard as you're driving down the freeway to work? Um, what's available in your wallet as far as cash to avoid or to actually purchase something? And sadly, willpower isn't enough, darn it. We like to say, oh, I'm just gonna use my willpower and I'm just gonna do it. And I'm motivated right now, but the next day, wait, what happened? My willpower wasn't enough. The truth is you can be put in a situation, say in a room with your favorite treats, let's say a donut, you're surrounded by it and you're left all day and that's the only option to eat. Well, as much willpower as you want, likely you're gonna give in and indulge in that donut. No question, I think. Um, the great example that I have is it brings some of the other social influences in, but it does create that environmental, um, you know, ability as well is my husband has a true addiction to tortilla chips. Um, and he's had them his whole life and loves them. And I knew that he loved him because I love him. And so I would buy those for him and they would be in the cupboard available. Um, and it was at a certain point where he was like, you need to stop buying those. Um, so it created a different environment for him just to not even have them there. Great. And you're right. That ties in the previous ones. He personally had a goal and a motivation to not overconsume those tortilla chips. <laughs> and he drew in his social motivation and ability by letting you know his goal, asking you not to have those accessible for him. And he changed his environment so he didn't have access to the tortilla chips. So a great example, thank you, Tara, for sharing that. Um, so we've talked about the barriers and things to consider as we work towards our motivation and our ability. So let's maybe talk next of strategies for these motivation. How can we build this structural motivation? We're gonna go through three tactics. The first we call carrots and the threat of losing carrots. 
So carrots, we think of external rewards, perhaps a manicure, a massage, a night out, a nap, coins in a jar. It doesn't have to be monetary, but something external, visual that we can see that helps us see that progress. The other side to that is the loss aversion, meaning we're motivated to avoid loss of that reward. For example, hiring a personal trainer. We paid the money. We don't want to lose the money that we put forth to that. Perhaps you donate money to a charity that you don't like if you don't accomplish this task. Uh, or you pay money to someone else when you don't. So that's carrots and the thought of losing. The second tactic is to use incentives in moderation and in combination. So if incentives are the only thing that are getting you to do that task, it may not be long lasting, right? We need to be moderate in what we do. It needs to become more internal desire. So we need to keep those incentives realistic and not the sole motivator and combine the rewards with social and personal motivators. So um, again, tying in those other six sources of influence when we interact with others. I want to give an example for that group two. There was a group of co-workers and they decided they wanted to work together on some healthy habits. So they made a list of those healthy habits. Each habit had a point value. At the end of the week, they'd add up their total of how many healthy habits they did, what their points were. And at the end of the week, the winner got a trophy that they got from a, one of the discount stores, right? The biggest trophy or whatever. But if it was on your desk, everyone knew that you won that challenge for the week. So it's rewarding those small wins and kept everybody motivated and saw some good success with their group. What a great competition to have within a, within a workplace. And you could do it from anywhere. You don't even need to be in the office. You could do it from all over That's the, right. you know, your home. Nice and virtual, which is what a lot of things are these days. So um, another example with, with that is um, when we talk about tactic three, is we need to reward the small wins. We may say, okay, when I lose 50 pounds, I'm going to do this. Well, sometimes that maybe feels a far off and week after week, we may lose that motivation to keep going. So rather than rewarding those results, we need to reward our actions. For example, I get to watch a new movie when I exercise X amount of times, not because I lost X amount of pounds. Um, so those actions are more important because we have control over what we do. We don't necessarily have control over the scale, right? The, over the results, but we have a control over those choices that we make day to day. So we want to reward in frequently and in small increments. Um, there was a man named Bob and he discovered that the hardest part of his workout wasn't the cardio. He was fine doing that but he dreaded the strength training. So he chose to reward himself with his favorite protein shake on the days that he did his strength training, rather than waiting until he lost five inches off his waist to give himself a big reward. So he rewarded the behavior of completing the strength training. 
Um, he really could have that chocolate shake or protein drink any other day, but he attached it to his goal for strength training. And so it made that shake feel more like a reward. So it made him look forward to the strength training because he got that protein strength and eventually really liked how he felt after he did the strength training. Emily, do you think there's a benefit to rewarding yourself within a timely manner after you have accomplished the task or whatever it is that you're trying to do versus saying, oh, it, you know, I'll reward myself next week. You know, I'll, I'll get to it. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, you, you need to be excited for your success. success. You've done something that you set a goal to do. And although we say not to worry about immediate gratification, sometimes in these goal setting, it's important because it reinforces your good behavior right then. Um, you, you try to think about kids in a star chart, you know, when they use the restroom, if you said, I'm going to give that to you next week, they may not be as motivated to continue <laughs> with yeah. that habit. Um, so yes, I think immediate of rewarding that. Otherwise we forget, we get busy. Um, and you kind of forget that sense of accomplishment if you don't reward right away. Um, one, I just want to simplify these tactics if I can. Um, I have a four-year-old son, and he just fearful of swimming, would not put his face in the water. So, but I knew he loved bubble gum. Now, typically we don't reward with candy and things, but I knew this was going to get him. So. Each time he got in the pool and put his face under, he would get a bubble gum every time. So that means he could get a good handful of them. However, with the loss aversion, if he didn't, he'd have to give those bubble gums to his brother, which he really didn't want to do. Following tactic two with incentives in moderation, we decided to add to this because he got so he could put his face under the water. And then he wanted, he would get $5 if he passed the class. So he moved on from a simpler goal to a, a greater one to pass the class. So combined with the bubble gum, each time he put his face under, he also had a greater motivation because he saw himself getting better and he wanted to pass this class. So then we rewarding those small wins. When he learned a new stroke, then he got to get even more bubble gum. When he listened to the teacher, he got more bubble gum. And, you know, now he's fearless in the water. He just loves to swim. So it's hopefully that simple example helps you to see the progression through those tactics. Yes, and it's never too early to start as well. <laughs> That's right. We all like rewards and, and feeling good about what we've accomplished. Okay, so now that we've learned about how to build that motivation in our economy and to, to move forward, let's talk about our ability. Uh, what environmental factors would support the desired positive behaviors that we're working towards? The first is tactic one, build fences. We need to choose rules and specific actions to keep ourselves out of harm's way. An example of that is uh, Bill, he wanted to quit smoking, so he changed his route, so he avoided those places that tempted him the most to smoke. Uh, his route home now avoided where he normally would buy his cigarettes. He did have to avoid certain friends, perhaps going to certain parties. And he put up a fence by not allowing the cigarettes to even come into his home. Tactic two would be manage your distance. We want to keep good things close and convenient. 
and bad things distant and difficult. So if we think about that, perhaps think of your pantry or your fridge, how accessible are the good options versus the bad. Uh, when it, at a restaurant or eating somewhere, do we keep the food in front of us or do we get a box and move it aside so we don't keep nibbling? Other ideas, put your cigarettes in the trunk so you don't smoke while you're driving. Don't even purchase that soda at the grocery store so it's not in your home so that it, you have to go out of your way to get it. Um, keep those good things close, your healthy snacks, a water bottle. When you come home from work, rather than first seeing maybe the remote to sit down and relax, you see your workout clothes. You get those put on first, go exercise, and then come back and relax and enjoy that show. Um, tactic three is changing your cues or putting out cues. So this could be a picture or a catchphrase. The cue reminds you of the good behavior and it builds the motivation and rekindles that feeling you have to do it. So that could be, say, a sticky note on the fridge uh, or to drink more water. It could be on the cupboard saying no snacks before dinner or after dinner. Perhaps it's setting an alarm on your phone to remind you to get up and walk. Or perhaps it's, uh, again, keeping your gym clothes in your car so that when you get in the car after work, it reminds you to go and do your workout. Uh, Tara shared one that, you know, a reminder on her computer for work for uh, tasks she really has to get done so that those get accomplished. Definitely, I'm the post-it queen. So, you know, having a post-it knows right where I see, it, it's, it's always a win. So I hit record on this podcast today. <laughs> it's perfect. We're glad you did that. And it, you know, keeps things colorful. And, you know, others may notice those things too. And you never know what you can do to inspire others by those cues that you have around you also. One of my favorites, I think, that find we help too, especially with mental health right now in a challenging time, our motivational quotes, uplifting things that are positive, helps us see light in the darkness that we might be feeling. Um, putting those on your mirror, uh, perhaps on your dashboard, in your car, um, somewhere that you'll see often, and it just helps you re remember and keep that optimism. Um, there's four, tactic four is to engage your autopilot. You set up positive defaults that help avoid thinking and you decrease the resistance that you feel. Um, think about companies. Why do they have you auto-enroll in a membership? How many people remember to cancel that after a month? Most don't, so it keeps on going. So that auto-enroll, per se, in your healthy behaviors, it sets your environment up so that it just naturally happens. For example, you could set up a standing appointment to work out with a friend each week or certain days during the week. Have your weekly menu of what you're cooking. You can pay in advance for the gym or for your personal trainer so you know you've paid and you need to follow through with that commitment. Uh, you can reduce your smoking by only carrying the amount of cigarettes that you've allowed yourself for the day. When it comes to finances, don't take your credit card with you. Only take the amount of money that you'll need, that you know you'll need for the day. And finally, tactic five. This is utilize your tools. In a day of technology and lots of helps, 
um, utilize websites, apps. We've got our smartphones, watches. Um, you've got slow cookers at home that can cook your food while you're away. Um, most of them can even, I think, be connected to your phone now. So you can turn them off and on. Um, you've got heart rate monitors and alarms to remind you of what good behaviors you're doing throughout the day. So again, with your ability, be aware of your environment. What's around you that encourage you to make those new desired behaviors? And what enables you maybe to go against that behavior that you maybe need to change and get rid of? And I think it's important as well to bring in that social component as well to make sure that we don't have those individuals in our lives that are going to take down the fences that we've built or, you know, create less distance between those good things that we're trying to do. So again, informing our loved ones, our spouses, those that we live with of what our tactics are. And so they can be part of that team. Correct. Yeah. Tying that social. And, you know, I think of with, um, the way that work schedules are now, oftentimes couples or those that are in the same household have different schedules. One may work out in the morning. So when they get home from work, they do just want to relax. And the other has to work out when they get home because of their schedule. So, you know, I think it'd be harder to come home and want to work out when you see someone vegging on the couch, right? So letting them know what you're trying to accomplish, maybe they can postpone that till after you get your workout in and enjoy it together. All right. Well, moving on, just reminder as we are creating these new behaviors, think of a golden rule that we need to follow to help us with these new behaviors. We create a positive habit to replace a negative habit. Often we think, okay, I'm drinking no more soda or I'm having no more junk food. But rather, could we say, I'm going to drink X amount of water for every can of soda that I drink? Or could I say, I'm going to increase my fruits and vegetables? And naturally, that may push out the amount of junk food that I would now normally take in during the day. Second, we keep the cue and the reward the same. We want to keep those... Uh, steps that we're taking and the and are the same and then we want to reward it and it as well but change what happens in the middle which is the routine for example rather than coming in the door grabbing a snack and sitting down to watch tv i come in i may grab a banana to boost my energy so that i can grab my walking shoes go for my walk then i come in and i can watch my favorite show as a reward for getting that exercise So to finish off, we're going to give you some bonus tips, things about your environment that can hopefully help you as you work to build this motivation and ability in the structural motivation and ability. First, only leave fruits and vegetables on the counter. Remember, make good things available, harder things to get to. Take those candy dishes off the desk, perhaps at work, or clean up that break room. Two, get rid of clutter. Amazingly, people eat 44% more snacks in a cluttered environment. So maybe a good goal is to organize things and clean up. Uh, three, it's recommended to not paint your kitchen white. Uh, darker rooms tend to slow people down and be mindful. Something to think of. Make your kitchen less lounge friendly. So have your place to eat around the dinner table but maybe not as comfortable to sit there and indulge for long periods, which is challenging as we are at this time, probably more people are at home. We've maybe find 
that we are spending more time in the kitchen. It's maybe the center point of a home too. Um, so just controlling that environment of the kitchen. What does it encourage you to do? Next, consider your plate size. Plate sizes have really grown over the last few years. Perhaps consider eating from a salad plate versus a large dinner plate. Uh, you can still fill it and visually you get a full plate but obviously wouldn't have as much food. Um, six, eating in the dining room with no distractions and away from the food. So you can serve up your plate, put the food aside so it's not easy to take second helpings if that's a temptation. And also when we're reading a book, watching TV, even on your phone, it's harder to be mindful of what you're taking in. What's the flavor of the food? Am I really full? Um, and so removing those distractions can help control in that regard. Um, and number seven, rearrange your food. What do you first see when you open the cupboard, when you open your fridge? I'd also say, what do you first see when you come in the door from work? Is it something that's going to help you to do that healthy behavior that you've set? Or is it going to take you back into the bad behaviors or your old habits? So those are just different areas or different environments that you may come across during the day that you could look into. But I think our environment is maybe different. Many of our environment is different now that, that we've been working from home or the pandemic has kind of reshaped our environment a little bit. I know when I look around, you know, there has been, you know, many days where our kitchen morphs into an office or where my office morphs into a TV room. And so again, really looking at our surroundings that way um, because it's different now. And so we may have to make some little changes because our environment is different than it was when we were going to work every day. Right. I've noticed that in having my children doing schoolwork at home, our kitchen table is their central location. I don't like them to be have their electronics, right, or their devices in their rooms doing their work. Mm -hmm. So we make sure that we wash the counter, you know, the table, clean everything out, all the foods put away, and then they can start doing their work. Um, and just know that there's certain times that are for certain things within that space that has to be a multi-use place. Right. Okay. And then vice versa back. It's not a right. school classroom anymore. Now it's a dinner table. Right. <laughs> we're not eating while we're doing our work. Right. Yeah. Yep. So good tips there. All right. Well, summarizing what we've talked about, you know, it, it seems maybe some bigger words, things that can be overwhelming, but let's review what really the structural motivation and ability is. Structural motivation is what drives you to change your environment. What's inside of you that's making you want to make those changes? What rewards will help you? And those are okay to, to use in moderation to get the light and that fire burning in you. Um, what motivates you to change from a bad behavior to a good behavior? And then the structural ability includes the changes you can make to your environment that will support and enable the good behaviors and ultimately your behavior change. So we've talked about, you know, I highlighted you in these because really it starts with us, but I want to tie in those other six sources of influences as we're reaching this capstone. We start with ourselves, look at what motivates us and what our ability is. We draw others in to help us so that they know we're on the same page so that they aren't pushing us or pulling us towards those negative behaviors, but helping us towards the good. 
And then we make sure that our environment supports us to be able to do it as well as us doing it with the help of others. And as you do that, you'll be amazed. It may not be overnight, but over time, you will reach that behavior change and be able to accomplish more than you really ever thought you could. No question. I think that's really a challenge for all of our podcast listeners as well, is to think about one of those behaviors and to go through each of those three different areas and to identify them, you know, and hopefully try to control them a little bit better. So I think that is a great um, kind of challenge for everyone to walk away from the podcast today, remembering. So, so great. Um, Emily, thank you so much for your expertise on the podcast today. Um, it is wonderful to uh, have a true expert in the field of behavior change to really bring all of this to a close. So thank you so much. And thank you to all of our listeners as well to rise up with Orient with our podcast. So be sure to tune in for our next episode. Uh, next month, it will be in terms of well-being within the financial category. So it is titled Avoiding the Post-Holiday Debt Bloat. So helping us to be conscious of our spending as we roll into the crazy holiday season. So tune in then. We look forward to the discussion then. Thanks so much.